You're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report 2nd Airport Podcast Division. Welcome back to the Padawan Perspective, your multi-generational podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Erdelman, and joining me today, we've got my daughter, Taylor Jade. Hello. As well as my good friends, Berent and his son, Pharaoh. How are you doing, guys? May the force be with you. And with you as well. And with you as well. I, I like the clearing the throat you did the first time. That sounded so. <clears throat> I'm ready for business. <laughs> so, uh, how you guys been? It feels like so long ago since we did this little journey. So, today we're going to be talking about Imperial Super Commandos. And to tell us more is Taylor. Hello. So, Imperial Super Commandos is a fifth episode of the animated se- television series Star Wars Rebels, the third season. The official description. When the Rebels lose contact with Conquered Dawn, Sabine, Ezra, Chopper, and Mandalorian prisoner Fen Rao investigate. They find an unexpected, deadly new threat awaiting. Dun, dun, dun. Time to throw the name Imperial Super Commandos at the problem. Barrett, why don't you get us rolling? The previews of this season started. We got to see a little bit of, we knew that Sabine was going to be back on Mandalore. But this isn't Mandalore, right? This is... Concord Dawn? Yep. So somewhere in there, Mandalorians are not Mandalorians are no longer on Mandalore, but they're on Concord Dawn because in the Clone Wars, they were on Mandalore, right? Well, they were on both. I mean, Concord Dawn is is one of the planets in the system. So, I mean, it's not that far away from where all the action was. But in the Clone Wars, Concord Dawn was where Death Watch had pretty much set up shop. So, I mean, they keep referring back to Sabine's family as being traitors, which I'm assuming that that's, that's the tie there is the whole Death Watch angle. They do bring up Sabine's mother, but they don't say who it is, do they? They keep us guessing... And guess we will. How many of us here thinks it's uh, Bo-Katan? Raise your hand. I got mine high. I got mine real high. <laughs> I mean, there there is the possibility that she could actually be Sabine's, right? Or or did they actually say Sabine was her aunt? I can't remember if that was ever thrown out. And I think that's the thing about Sabine that I love so much is the promise of, of a history there. I mean, you know, you can't really have a Mandalorian on the team without somebody going, yo, what's up with the Mandalorian, dude? I don't know if the math would work for her to be Sabine's child because we did see Sabine die in the Clone Wars, right? She was on a mission with, with Obi-Wan and she died. She could have had the, the baby before then. I don't know if the, depending on how close that was towards Order 66, it, it might work because she is older than Ezra. She's a couple years older than Ezra, and Ezra's a little younger, a little older than than Leia and Luke. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah he well he's pretty much the same age as them. They were all born on on Empire Day, so yeah, and she's like I think one or 
one and a half, almost two years older than him. So yeah, you're right. It couldn't, that couldn't work. But I do think she, I think there's gotta be the connection there that it's, it's either her aunt or there's a third sister and her mom is that third sister. I mean, it, it has to be either Bo-Katan or a third sister. I mean, I think it's official. We're ruling out Satine right now. <laughs> a third sister. So Sabine, Bogotan, and maybe Dentine. Yeah, Satine, Bogotan. Me and you have been doing that. We're saying Sabine still, but Satine. Oh, Satine. It, yes, it's got. Like, what are you talking about? So Satine Taylor is the the lady that was in charge of the Mandalorians as they were introduced in the Clone Wars, and when they were introduced in the Clone Wars, it was a big splash in the pond of Star Wars as I knew it, which was the expanded universe. Because at that point, they were basically like the Klingons of Star Trek in the Star Wars world, right? You know, the warrior race. And and what the Clone Wars did was said, no, they're more like Vulcans, really. They're really pacifistic. They they don't believe in violence anymore. They've renounced their ways. And that kind of came on the heels of an author, Karen Travis, writing a bunch of Mandalorian stories and really adding the most to their history that any other novelist has ever done. And it was kind of like a slap to her face kind of thing because she left Star Wars over it. And they found ways in the expanded universe, which is now Legends, to to work that in and still keep that heritage and those backstories with everything. But in canon, so far as canon goes, the only warriors that we know of are Death Watch. And now these Imperial Super Commandos and Fen Rao's group. Which is interesting because the Fen Rao aspect, there has been a character named Fen, uh, Fen Shia, Shia is how you say I think it's Shia. It's S-Y- it's S-H-Y-S-A. And that character's been around since the Marvel days. And that story background got erased and rebrought in. Karen Travis reworked that character in her books. And so that was where a lot of people were like, well, Karen just got what she got when she took the Marvel character and rewrote him. So they just rewrote again. So that's who Satine is. She She's the peaceful leader of the Mandalorians. And she is sister of Bo-Katan, who is the the... Uh, the night owls or, or the owls, they had a really cool name to go with the owl armor, which Satine, Sabine wears in honor of Satine's sister, Bo-Katan. And we don't know if Bo-Katan or Satine are her aunts or if one of them is her mother. Now, we've ruled out that Satine is her mom when we think, well, it's either Bo-Katan or a third sister. Well, see, what was confusing me is you both said Sabine I instead know. of Satine. So it's like... It's a Freudian slip. What? She could be Vizsla's daughter. Doesn't have to be Bo-Katan. That's true. I, I, yeah. So I want to say this... Man, we need Nathan here because I want to say somewhere that that it was mentioned that she was a niece of somebody. So I'm just now I'm I got to start looking her up more because now I'm just more confused than ever. Curse all this knowledge I have about continuities that don't quite exist. Another one for Nathan P. Butler. And so listeners, you probably should be looking for that the week of this release on our Facebook page. I want to make sure Nathan gets to work on that. So Padawans, what did you think about this episode? Last episode, we had the last battle which was kind of a bookend to the Clone Wars. Now we can really get into Rebels. Well, I don't know if you were going to go, Pharaoh, because usually you go. So I'm just going to go. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this episode, Not besides the fact that Sabine finally gets the jetpack. 
and then it freaking gets destroyed. Oh, shot in the arm. Yay, jetpack! <laughs> yeah, right? You know, you I've know, been waiting a long time for that, Taylor. A long time. You know, can I say something real quick? Yes, yes, you can. I, I think that, that jetpack scene where they're all flying around and, like, Ezra's wall running and Sabine jumps off a wall to turn around in the other direction, that was the best piece of film in all animated history ever. That was the best scene. Yeah, it was one hell of a chase. Hey, you know, the thing, I, and I like that you enjoyed that so much because Taylor, all the way through that, I think she was laughing so hard she missed the, the, the elegance of that because she was so caught up on Ezra's face when Sabine grabbed him and said, oh hold on. Oh my gosh. It was just so funny. Like, like Ezra, with that look on his face, he immediately went through puberty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he was all, whoa, and like, on my papers, I accidentally put woo, so that just threw me off, but he said, whoa. Well, maybe he went a little woo at the same time, too, I mean. In the first season, they kind of played the fact that he was kind of attracted to her, and we were kind of like, you know, you know, women like older men, there's no way he'd be attracted to, she would be attracted to Ezra, you know, he's just a little kid, now he's a little bit more grown up, and they've kind of let that go, He's never been that close to a woman, right? But that was. That was a funny look that he gave. And and Filoni and crew are doing such a good job with the facial expressions of these characters. If you notice the animation, a lot of a lot of the emotion that is on their faces are, don't ha- are lack dialogue. They're not saying anything, especially with Hera. You could see liver spots on Felden Rao's face. It's amazing. Yeah. Did you catch the Mo moment with Chopper and Ezra where Chopper grabs his nose, slaps him in the back of the head, etc. when he woke him up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love I just I just love the Chopper. Just he he's he's kind of the Chihuahua of the family, even though he's also the disabled vet, you know, like he, he, he takes on so many roles and. I just I love that about him. I like the fact that we finally get to see the Phantom Two. You know, they actually officially call it the Phantom Two. Uh, I, at this point, we still haven't seen it docked with the Ghost, which we will in the episode that follows this one. But I I'm, I think that's one of the things I'm most excited for now. I'm like, man, they got to get to putting out these toys. Like, we just got a plethora of ghost figure ships and stuff like that with the Phantom. Like, now we've got to go Phantom 2? Like, cause it, gives the, it gives the ship a different look, man. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that. Like, that was something that when Chopper and Ezra brought that back in the last episode, I was kind of fist pumping, you know? I was I was tore up when Ezra lost the Phantom. Kano said uh, to Hera that we also got, like, a new Phantom and that Sabine had a... Had to paint it? Yeah. So when Sabine was flying over to Ezra, I was like, just wait, watch. He's going to he's gonna shoot her jetpack. Just watch, just watch, just watch. And then he does that. I was like, oh! <laughs> and my dad starts laughing really hard. I was like, I told you, I told you. Yeah, but now, now do you predict whether or not she's going to get that backpack repaired? Because I was looking at the finer details of said backpack when she climbed in and climbed into the co-pilots or pilot seat. It didn't look that badly shot. You think, yeah, that, I'm, I'm hoping. I hope Filoni and crew definitely does that because, Baron, I think every one of us here are, have been itching for her to get one of these and to utilize it. I mean, there's something distinctive about Mandalorians with jetpacks. And when the Imperial Super Commandos showed up, I mean, they were like the Blue Angels, man. They were all flying in formation and stuff. I mean, it was glorious. And these jetpacks are a little bit different. These jetpacks are a lot closer looking to, say, a space trooper. 
jetpack than they are to like a Mandalorian jetpack. Uh, Commander Re- uh, or Cody, Cody, uh, when you get the Cody figure, he has that same jetpack on the back of his uh, back. He does. So it is Imperial or what was the, not the Federation, um, um, the Republic. It is it is either the Republic design or Empire design. It's definitely well, not a Mandalorian design. What was great was because when Fen sees his people destroyed, you know, and he thinks it's just another clan. You know, and we're like, well, was it? It's both. You know, I mean, at this point, the Empire has outfitted Clan Vizsla. Was it Gar? Uh, what was his last name? Uh, Gar Saxon. When they when they outfitted Gar Saxon with all this stuff, that makes sense that you know we'd see Imperial backpacks on these guys now because they've got the best of the best. You know, now which which is great for for Sabine now. I mean, if she gets it fixed up, it, it's a it's a top of the line. Like she's got the the Maserati. You know, like woo. Gavin, Gavin uh, who's like in love with the guy in the red like armor and Saxon. stuff. Saxon. Yeah, he was like he was basically <laughs> drooling over it. It was so funny. So yeah, Gavin's always when he was a little kid, he loved the Clone Wars specifically for the various armors, and he would mentally collect the armors every time he saw a new one it was like a new one he saw it was now stored forever in his brain dad dad did you see the new one you, you've got it you got to see the new one too and then once i started buying him the figures he realized oh my god i can have them uh so yeah for him he dialed right in on that and i liked it too like it had it had a death watch like feel which was interesting because you know fen's given sabine junk for her family's history right and her family's history is being a member of night watch uh, or Death Watch, and the Night Owls were a part of Death Watch. And so she gets it for being a traitor from that side, and now the Vizsla clan is seeing her as a traitor also because she's not joining the Empire with them and, and doing the stuff with them. She's doing her own thing. It's like, man, she is totally on the outs from both sides of the family here. Let's talk a little bit about Gar Saxon. I'm glad you brought up, you brought up his armor, and I'm glad Gavin likes it. It is red. Doing a little research on him. I was doing a little research myself this time. Didn't need Nathan P. Butler. Thank you very much. Gar was part of Darth Maul's crew. Not only he was, was? Yes. And not only was that, he was part of the crew that broke Darth Maul out oh, of no, Darth Sidious. Right. Oh, my God. Yes. No, that makes sense. Oh, I remember reading that comic. Yes. So he breaks Darth Maul out of Sidious's grasp, and he was part of the Mandalorians to do that. So I think maybe his red armor calls back to when Darth Maul ruled the Mandalorians, or he was on Darth Maul's team. You know, Saxon, um, he said to Sabine, Saxon said to Sabine, like, you could be wearing this armor, and Sabine's like, I like a bit of, uh, I like a little more color. What could she have done to get that armor? Because he's saying, like, you could have been wearing this armor. My dad literally ran out of the room and went and grabbed the comic. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, it was com- he was Commander Saxon at the time, and he was, it was him and a chick with an owl type armor uh, that came for Maul. Uh, oh man, yeah, it was Son of Dathomir was the comic you were talking about, and I couldn't believe that I didn't dial in on that myself. I, I knew that name sounded familiar too. I was just like, oh man, and the fact that he's a, a Vizlet. So, uh, I mean, that's that's the aspect about the way the Mandalorians work. Like Sabine is Clan Wren House Vizsla. This guy is Gar Saxon. Uh, uh, clearly, he's from Clan Saxon, House Vizsla. So I don't know exactly how the House Vizsla works. Like, is that just like your bannermen? You guys are all working underneath him? Or did you guys 
all were, you know, they all came from him. They're all like great grandchildren, families of kind of thing. Like that hasn't been established in the new canon uh, history for Mandalorians. That was something that Karen Travis had taken care of in Legends. But again, we're not talking Legends here. We're talking canon and we don't have a clue how that works. So that's something I find very fascinating. And I love to Ezra's outlook on the Mandalorians. You guys are all crazy. And, and, and they are. You know, so is the Sons of Dathomir comic, is that considered Legends or is that considered canon? That is the only comic that is actually both. Uh, It was the last Legends comic and the first of the new canon. It is the only Dark Horse comic that is a canon comic. Uh, And it still wrote open enough that in Legends, Legends still has no answer to Darth Maul. Uh, You know, we had the, because Clone Wars exists in Legends as well as canon. And so as far as we knew before, Legends-wise, what we see with him getting captured by Lord Sidious, that was the end. Well, then this came out, and he gets freed by the Mandalorians, and they go off, and you're like, well, so now what? And we don't know. I mean, there was nothing more in Legends. That answer and Ahsoka are still wide open in Legends. They never gave us those stories. We're never going to get those stories. Uh, This was as best as it got, and this is literally the only comic that Dark Horse made that is in canon. So awesome. So he... This guy, both of these guys, have a long history with the Mandalorians. Well, it's interesting that he would side with the Empire considering he was with Maul. I mean, you almost wonder, is that because whatever happens at the Siege of Mandalore caused them to fall under the sway of Lord Sidious and now they've sworn their allegiance to the Empire? Because they they weren't in the mindset that the Empire was the right way to go. I mean, I wonder what made that shift to, again, point out that he is seeing Sabine as a traitor. When, I mean, it's like Sabine's really doing all the things that you would think he would be down for. I mean, that's quite a shift to go from Maul's ideology to being in Sidious's camp. Well, you know, he was made Viceroy. So who knows with what oh, presence that comes with when it comes to the Empire. So we already talked about the awesome, awesome jetpack scene. I'm glad that Filoni did give us this scene for holding out on this jetpack. That's all I can say. He was holding out on this jetpack. He knows that we we know that Mando's naturally are supposed to have jetpacks. He did not disappoint with this scene. What else did we learn about Sabine? Not much, right? We talked about we still don't know who her mom is. We still don't see her with the Darksaber because we did see her holding the Darksaber in the preview. So she's got to go back to Mandalore or Concord Dawn again in this season to get her hands on that Darksaber. Who has the Darksaber? Is Bo-Katan still around? A lot more questions here than answered. Saxon. Saxon has to have it because at the last we saw of it, well, what did Maul have it? Now I got to pull the comic back out. Uh, yeah, no, I think that they got it back for Maul. Nah, dang it, what did I just set the comic? I got to pull it back out because, yeah, I think that Saxon would have it because he went off with Maul. If Maul had it, then Saxon would be the one that would probably bring it back. Yes, Maul does have it. Yep, flipping through. Somehow Maul did get it back. Which so, was only thing that I found interesting from the Clone Wars. I was just like, oh my God, Sidious has got his hands on that. And did nothing with it. Uh, you know, probably, Filoni probably did have plans on what was going to happen with that. But, you know, we all know that Disney bought out and the Clone Wars got canceled. So we'll never know. But he's got plans for that Darksaber because he's bringing it back. 
So, you know, you guys, you guys were talking about the chase through the, the ravine there. And one of the things I loved was Ezra's as he's dangling down below. I think he might have even fallen onto Chopper at this point. And he's like, her evil cousins are coming. And I love it because that, oh! yeah, that is that is the <laughs> aspect of the Mandalorians is the family aspect. And I mean, it's what slowly wins Fenra over is, is he realizes that she's still applying the principles of family. Just no longer to her blood, which that is the curiously original part of Karen Travis's thing is there was uh, one line was uh, bloodlines or family is more than just bloodline. And that I mean, to have that come forward and have Finn by the end of the episode, you know, like, hey, I get it. You're taking out, out you know, you're, you're looking out for your family. Your family is the rebels. And he decides to join them. And she even says, welcome to the family. I thought that was a great moment. And there were a lot of really good moments with Chopper throughout this. And one of them is when Saxon is about to blow up Chopper. And he's got Ezra, he's got Chopper, and he's like, hey, if you don't tell me what I need to know, I'm going to start blowing parts off your droid. And Chopper literally goes, whoa, 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 let's talk about this a bit. I swear to God, if you go back, that's what you hear him say. I was laughing so damn hard at it. I'm just, I, I, I love when they get Chopper right. And the other one was a moment that I, I immediately thought of R2. And it's when he's laying on his back and his legs they don't raise him up. Instead, they flip over him and then raise him up. And he gets up from being laying down on his back. It's something that R2 is not seemingly capable of doing. And we'll even see later in another episode that, that Chopper is not alone in having jet blaster bottom. And the I don't know what we call it. Is rocket booster? Uh, it's cloaca. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> other droids seem to have this. And I'm beginning to question, like, you know, sh should R2 have something like these things? W were the rockets he had that popped out of the side supposed to be just it? Like, I, I don't know. Like, are these, like, attachments? Are these the SS of droid models? Am I supposed to be understanding that? Because I'm starting to think it was standard, and I, I don't think that that's supposed to be the case. When R2 first busts out the, the jetpacks, it's special, right? And the chopper has it because he's a military droid. So maybe A3... Or R3 is a military droid as well. Who knows? Could be. I also like the touch on Sabine's mom. Again, they didn't they didn't mention who her mom is, but we do know that her mom joined the Empire. She did side with them. And or I mean, so that, he says. So well, see, and that's just it, because I'm in that boat. Because we had, you know, a few years back, we had one of the uh other Mandalorian high ups. Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name right now. But he had said that Jango Fett was never a Mandalorian. And I kept saying, you know, who is he? He's lying out his butt. You know, it, it's same thing. I don't I don't know if I can trust these guys. And granted, I know we're supposed to take everything at the face value of what they're saying is facts. But I don't quite believe him in the in the case of her mom. I mean, when you go to Wikipedia and you look up, you know, what it is about her, you know, it talks about her being uh, Clan Ren, House Vizsla. Her mother was a member of Death Watch during a time when Mandalore had fallen into chaos after the collapse of the new Mandalorian government near the end of the Clone Wars. She was trained from an early age in the Mandalorian culture. Ren forged her distinctive armor with her family, but also inherited her Night Owl's helmet from someone whose identity she was reluctant to reveal. So, so in that regard, we know that it couldn't be Bo-Katan who she got that helmet from because Bo-Katan still has her helmet. So that leads me thinking there's a third sister. I keep going back to thinking there's a third sister, and that's who her mom is going to be. Uh, but they don't, they don't say that it has to be Bo-Katan's helmet. It's just that they made it. And who says and say that Bo-Katan doesn't have a different helmet? True. I mean, Jango Fett had multiple helmets. We saw one get blown up uh, in the Clone Wars even. So, 
And that was the one we saw from the films. We also know that he had his armor that we see in episode four and five. That's from his father. So, yeah, I, I, there's just so much about the Mandalorians and stuff. And that's the thing about this. Like, I hope this is a promise for more now that we get Finn in the camp of the rebels and stuff. Maybe now he'll take on more of a, a, a leader role. Uh, you know, maybe he could be like the uh, leader of the Second Sons for uh, Khaleesi and Game of Thrones kind of aspect here. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I want to see more with these guys, and I don't want to see this to be the turn away where we don't come back and see any more Mandalorians and that we're done with Mandalore. Uh, but at the same time, I could see them doing that. I feel like they have satisfied enough of that plot that, that all they really need to do at this point is the personal journey and tell us more about Sabine, which they could do through, you know, Fen Rao being with her with the rebellion and stuff. We could get it as, as back and forth between them and maybe, you know, some of the other uh, characters that we've had introduced along the way, like Onyo or stuff. I like the fact that it really shows Sabine's character kind of really, it reveals her personality. Like that one episode revealed Hera's personality and I'm feeling they're pr pretty much going to be doing this for every character, revealing their personality and kind of their backstory. It often hints towards Sabine's mom and like where her family is and all of that. And with the with the Hera episode, it did kind of the same thing. Um, Hera's backstory and Hera's parents and her origin. So it's it's the it's the same thing as Hera's episode, except it's you know Sabine, and it really shows her character and her personality in this episode. And it's definitely whetting my appetite to know a little bit more about Sabine. I mean, being called a traitor from both sides, you yeah. know, wonder why she left Mandalore and Concord Dawn. I mean, she's probably getting it, but she takes it on the chin. She kicks Rao's ass. I mean, she's really handing yeah. it to him. Or Saxon. She's really handing it to Saxon in, in, a, in a fist fight. Well, and now with Saxon, we have kind of like a Civil War thing going on. You know, they're both of House Vizsla. The other thing that's well known about house Vizsla is that the dark saber is one of their relics you know i mean pre Vizsla was the one that lost it to maul in the first place you know gar saxon could have it we know sabine's gonna end up with it and we still don't know who her father is so when she gets it we may get those reveals finally i mean we could find out that that maybe pre is her father well, and, and it shows their, their heritage too. You know, I mean, when they pull up and Ezra's like, well, what happened there? You know, and they're like, you know, we've, we've been seeing battles since before the Republic was even formed. We'll endure that. We've endured that. We'll endure this. We'll endure what comes. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's the heart of their nature. And I think it, the moment when Fen Rao realizes that had he not already been a guest of the rebels, that he would have been wiped out with the rest of his people. Uh, you know, that's that I think is where we can really see this character kind of step up and be a, a, a lead role in some form or fashion. He could be like a Sato, uh, Sato or, or, you know, one of those guys where he takes a significant lead of Re New Republic, not New Republic, the uh, rebellion forces. You know, I could just see him leading a lot of the ground troops, you know, from here on out. He's got that drive. He's got that spur. He's got that anger with the empire now because not only was it the empire but it was the empire that corrupted his own people and used his own people against themselves and that's got to add to your pissed off absolutely and once he finds out that it's actually sith because it was sith the first time and sith the second time you know so it's very interesting and i, I like the fact that over the course of these last few episodes every time our rebels come into contact with someone now they're on our team. 
And I like the fact now we have some Mandalorians on the we have a Mandalorian on the team who has pull on Mandalorian and Conquer Dawn still. And we have battle droids now that could be called upon. It it's it's yeah. really great. We we don't know who Fulcrum is, but we do assume that it is it's Callus, so we it's pointing towards Callus. So well, it could be price I'll, for all we I'll, know. With yeah. the other clones with Gregor and Wolf, I mean they could be rounding up whatever clones are out there as well. They could have, you know, a small patrol or platoon even of clones, even retired. But Rex is proof and even retired. They're well useful, You're old, but not obsolete, if it were. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of merit there. You know, I mean, think about even it leads more th- to our theory that Callus might be a fulcrum agent now. I mean, I, I think that there is something to be said about the group of the ghosts, these these. What are, what are they? Uh, these Spectres, you know? Yeah, Spectre 1, Spectre 2. Yeah, they could add up, go up to Spectre 85, you know? <laughs> they could be unlimited. The last couple episodes have been really good episodes, really good Star Wars television. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We are getting some of the best Star Wars television ever. I mean, this, this stuff blows out Ewoks. This stuff blows out... The, the Ewok movies, the Ewok cartoons, the droid cartoons. I know I might get some flack for that, but this is some really good Star Wars television here. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, these were a little slower than what we got at the very beginning of the season, but I still, I had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, like Pharaoh, you said, you know, that trench scene when they were hanging on one-handed, flinging the lightsaber around, and then she bounced off the wall. That was pretty dang exciting. You know, there were moments where I was on the edge of my seat. So, I mean, it, it's definitely working in that regard. There's constantly the threat that Thrawn could show up at any moment. I'm just like, every time some ship jumps in, I'm like, is it Thrawn? Is it Thrawn? Uh, so, I mean, we, we could even find out Thrawn had a hand in all this that's going on with the Mandalorians. I mean, there's just so much going on right now that has me really excited for the state of where we're at. Well, Padawans, I hope you guys are excited as well. I am extremely. Yeah, so am I. And with that... Young Padawans and listeners, we're going to leave you until our next show. Say, it sounds like you're leaving us. <laughs> so. <laughs> so that wraps up this episode of the Padawans Perspective. We'd like to thank everyone for coming around and hanging out with us as we pondered on and shared our fandom. Give you a little Star Wars Beyond the Films exit there. Uh, you guys always find our episodes directly on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division Podcast at www.starwarsreport.com. So for the Padawans Perspective, this has been Mark. Taylor. Pharaoh. And Barrett. I don't know. We, we still haven't worked on our tagline, or did we? Did we come up with a tagline yet? Maybe. This this should this should be our tagline. I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. <laughs> I'm sure everything would go. And until next time, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. You know, you know that would make a great bumper sticker. Just driving by someone <laughs> and it says quotes. Uh, oh, I think everything will go horribly wrong at the Padawan's perspective underneath it. That would be the best thing ever. Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com.